0: My guest today is Daniel DeVille, a writer-director who, from an early age, armed with nothing more than an old camcorder gifted by a generous neighbor, Daniel fearlessly ventured into the world of filmmaking. And at the age of 25, he passionately penned heartfelt letters to esteemed film schools seeking an opportunity to refine his craft. Fate smiled upon him as he was granted a coveted place at this prestigious Northern Film School in Leeds where he immersed himself in the captivating world of film and moving image for the next four transformative years. Daniel is here today to talk about his magnificent short film, By Any Other Name, and when I call it magnificent, it is in every sense of the word. And By Any Other Name is about a young girl who finds herself ensnared in the dark underbelly of London's sex trade. The passage of seven long years only intensifies the urgency of her sister's mission to find her when an unexpected phone call ignites a desperate quest. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome writer-director Daniel DeVille and his short film, By Any Other Name, to the show. Welcome, Daniel. Thanks, Ward. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well first off tell me about getting that camcorder from a neighbor what did that mean to you It meant everything where I grew up you know it was
1: it was a, an impossible thing you know it just was like this like gift from the gods that came down and it was there and I was like what do I do with this and he showed me how to use it in the backyard and I was like right mom I'm going to go do things with this and she was like okay bye she was happy to have me out of the house and you know, at that point, I, I was like just falling in love with the medium. You know, it was like Back to the Future and uh, Terminator and all these films I wasn't even supposed to watch at that age. But I was like, yes, I want to go do things. And then I just, yeah, I played around for for most of my life just doing that and making, re- I was remaking a lot of things at that point, actually. I was like doing scenes from films, my favorite films, rather than obviously like writing and creating shorts and stuff. So it was
0: the start of a, an obsession that that never ended. Where did you get the idea to write the school's personal letters? Well,
1: where I grew up, I grew up in um, a town uh, called Bradford in the north of England in Yorkshire. Um, it's quite a low socio socioeconomic area. Um, grew up on a council estate. It's so quite a difficult kind of like area to grow up. And then we moved around a lot. So um, the opportunities just weren't there for film. It was an impossible thing. If I said you know, when I was a kid, like, I want to be a film director, like, you just got stared at like you were weird and handed, you know, a resume to go work in a factory or become a mechanic or whatever it was, you know, so I was like, I've I've no idea how to achieve this goal, but I really want to achieve it. And it took me a few years to get out of um, kind of my surroundings. Uh, My parents had passed away when I was young. So I kind of like was just kind of on my own and kind of like finding my way at at a young age. And then yeah, when I was kind of in my early 20s, I was like, I have to find a way. I've got to do it. And it just so happened when I got to that age, I was like, right, it's now or never type thing. And I wrote all these letters and I was lucky enough to get get a letter back from the Northern Film School. They said, look, we offer a couple of spaces, two special cases. If, you know, we we like you, come in. And that was it. Wow, that is fantastic. So what were those four years like for you? Amazing. It was like, you know, that alone was a dream come true because I was actually making films and it was different you know with the camcorder and you know i was doing everything but make films at that point you know i was like collecting films and i was like action figures i had everything that was film related in my life i was just like like all of us were just nerds you know in love with the medium and then that was the first time i was like oh wow like i'm actually doing what I want to do, I was screenwriting, I was directing, I was like learning camera and lighting, it was just this like amazing experience, and I loved every minute, you know, I was a, obviously, I was a mature student as well, so it was kind of like, for me, it was like, I really wanted to understand the craft, it's like I knew how things work, but you know, when you when I was younger, I'd watch like a scene of a film, like it'd have like a, you know, a, a dolly zoom in there or something, I'd be like, how the hell do they do that, I and mean, it was like those things that I needed, you know, and it's like once I learned, I started learning those things, I was I just got more and more excited and it became like, yeah, it was just a beautiful thing, really.
0: You know, I, I, I like going on um, certain websites, uh, you know, even Instagram, where they show the actual scene of a movie and then right below it, they show how they actually shot the scene of the movie and it. They looked like two completely different things. So for you to go from a camcorder and then being around all of the the cool fancy equipment and and being around people who are showing you how to use it um what was just that experience alone like it was like i'd found it sounds
1: corny but it like, felt like i was home it felt like i found the thing that i was like meant to be and i'd always known that but like I was, i'd struggled a lot as a kid you know when I grew up with like a lot of mental illness and I've got like BPD and bipolar. So I was kind of struggling throughout like my youth teens and into my 20s, trying to find just who I was really. And the only place I only ever felt like me was when I was sat down watching a film. Um, And I had insomnia from like 12 clinically. So I was like up all night and I'd go to school. I'd watch four movies a night, go to school, come home, watch another four movies, go to school. And that was just my routine. So it was like moving from like that world where I was just, obsessed with watching films and dissecting them to them being in a world where i was like oh i get to actually come up with this idea myself it was just like this it was like everything had just opened up for me and and the possibilities were finally there and it was like i knew it was going to be still a difficult long road because i was a mature student i was going into the film industry late all the rest of it but i just knew what i had and i think as a film writer and director you've just got to believe in yourself. say sounds corny again but if you don't believe in yourself from that point on You're never going anywhere. And that's that I I have like a, a delusional belief in myself,
0: you know? Well, no, it's not corny at all. We need to have that self belief to motivate us to move forward and do great things. So I'm impressed and inspired by you, Daniel. But what inspired you to write by any other name? So it's
1: began, it, it was an inception in a very weird place. So I went to Burning Man festival about six years ago. Um, and I don't know if you know much about Burning Man, but they build these wooden kind of like temples and and structures and effigies and they burn them all at the end. It's kind of this ceremonial thing. It's beautiful. Um, one of the places is a temple that they build. And in there, if you've lost like loved ones, you go in there and leave a note. It's beautiful, it's silent. It's got this kind of like thick air, you know, dense, Kind of emotional air everyone's in there and everyone's reading each other's notes i was stood next to this like beautiful girl who was leaving a note and i was even note for um, my parents who passed away um, and she was leaving pretty much an identical note for her parents we both read each other's notes and we just kind of smiled at each other we walked out um, and then we were like started chatting and it was just a conversation and she just like evanescently just rolled into this story about how she'd been sex trafficked at seven years old and kidnapped. How she'd been estranged from her family for like 15 years, how her family were Mormon and they didn't accept her back when she got found. It was just this incredible story, story that you'll only hear in the middle of the Nevada desert. You know, you would never hear it anywhere else. And we kind of like kissed, hugged. She, what I told her my story, we both kind of had this like moment. She was actually a dancer at the festival as well. So she, we'd kind of, i seen her before and then she rode off into the desert. I don't even know her name. She just, she just left. And that was it. And then it was one of those stories that just milled around my head for years. And when I got to writing, I was, I'd was i had an accident in uh, the sat of lockdown. i had actually a pretty bad accident. I couldn't walk for a year. Um, so I was having like three surgeries. I was like bedridden. I couldn't do anything. I was like, right, this is perfect. I'm just going to keep writing throughout the whole period. And I was like, that story just popped into my head. So I was like, how do I do this? Because I don't know her. I can't go find her again. So I basically transplanted the story
0: and it, it morphed itself into what is now by any other name. That is, that is, it's on. even at, at that point, it's almost like it was fate for the idea of this story to come to you from a chance meeting of yep. someone that you still don't know what her name is. And I even yep. looked it up because you're, you know, the subject matter is the underbelly of London's sex trade. And I even looked it up that between 2018 and 2022, there was a 63% in sex trafficking increase of 63% in sex trafficking of minors just in the UK. Uh, Did you do any type of research of the sex trade there in London prior to uh, doing the film? I did,
1: yeah. So that was the kind of start of it for me. As soon as I knew I wanted to tell this story and I realized I had a good idea, and it was something important. I thought, right, I need to kind of understand what this is because I think a lot of us are guilty of when you hear sex trafficking, you think of like a far off land that somebody gets like shipped over abroad, it's abroad, and like it's just this like thing that's like far, very far away. It feels very far away from you. And then when I did that research, it was like, oh, like this is literally at the end of my road. It's at the end of everybody's road. It's not. It's not at all just London. It's not at all just. You know, Bangkok. It's it's everywhere. It's the north of England. It's America. It's Middle America. It's wherever you go, that happens. And and the more you kind of read those stats, the more shocked you become, and you're like, this is horrendous. Why isn't this a bigger subject in kind of the in the political world? You know, why aren't we hearing about it every day? And that made me even more want to go. Okay, I need to tell this story because this is something that like people need to know about. And it was like in the zeitgeist at that point. You know. Um, with like Epstein and like the Royals. And it was kind of like there, it was milling around and people, some people wanted to talk about it, some people didn't. And even when I was getting funding for the film, I, I came up against a few barriers. It was like few people just didn't want to do a film about sex trafficking. And I was like, oh, why? They didn't give an answer. It was like, no, we don't want to do a sex trafficking film. We don't want to fund a sex trafficking film. So I was like, had that problem even at that point, And it was lucky that, Um, I'd sent the script to Slick Films, who I made the film with, and they just like, yeah, they just, this is amazing. We love it. We want to back you all the way.
0: Yeah, that's what I love. That's what I love about Chris Overton and and, uh, Rebecca Harris Turner. They don't shy away from some of the dark subjects, um, and they have faith in the people who write those and then to create these films. So, uh, but your film goes beyond. The sex trade. Uh, You had actress Lauren Planner play the clown girl. How did you find her? So Lauren
1: was a casting call. She came from a casting call. She sent a tape in. Um, She was one of the first tapes I ever saw. And how how I am as a filmmaker, I just know when I know. Even if I've got to go through the process, it's like I just go on my gut all the time. My intent, you know, if I have my intuition purely. On on hundred, I'll know. But we had to go through this process and try and like cover. It. Of course, it was like a delicate subject matter. We wanted to make sure we covered every base and all the rest of it. So we found her really early, and we carried on this process throughout course of like a couple of months. And then in the end, I was like, "Look, guys, like it's Lauren. It's it's the first girl, you know." And then we went all the way back around, and she was amazing. It was actually her first like official film. She's still in she's still in school acting. So she kind of like just jumped into this world of filmmaking with the most like daring, dark kind of character, and she like she was so sweet and so kind and so generous with me, and you know she allowed me to kind of like bring her through not just as the character, but help her as an actor and kind of give her the confidence and stuff. And we went we through it
0: together; it was an amazing experience. You know, I want to kind of start getting into the film because when I watched it. I'm, I'm, wa- you know, I'm watching from beginning to end, I'm, I'm looking at things, and after it was over, I was sitting there thinking, where are the elements? And I noticed a lot of them, Daniel, this is why I love this film, and everybody needs to see this film. One of the things I went back to was, her clown costume was in black and white, A sign that told me her life was twofold. One, she performed on the streets during the day and she was trafficked, excuse me, she was trafficked at night. Two, the black and white colors revealed to me that her life lacked the beauty of, of color, the beauty of life. She was controlled by her handler. But there was no variation between that black and white. And is is that even close as to the reason why she only wore a black and white clown outfit? Because when we think of clowns, we think of a lot of color.
1: Yeah, it's a great, great, um, great insight there, Ward. I think, yeah, the initial kind of thing was basically that I wanted her to still remain somewhat unseen, even though that was her opportunity to kind of show to the clown thing was like back to her the original girl I'd met being a dancer. So what I did, I changed dancing for for street performing because that's how well kind of the character morphs. So I wanted it to have something that she loved because this girl was like an amazing dancer and she loved it. And she was like, she said to me, like the only thing that kept me going was like, I'd just dance in my bedroom. And that was a thing that when I was a kid and I was in this horrible place, I would, have to go do these horrible things but I would go back and I would practice my dancing and I thought that's what was that's what I loved about the story more than anything the fact that we have this thing inside of us when it's it's an art, art is not kind of what we are it's who we are it's part of who we are as as artists and you, nobody can no matter what you do you can't take away that that little spark that you've got so it was like I wanted her to have a spark but I still wanted her to remain like this kind of mono unseen thing in this like world I didn't wanted to stand out I wanted it to be there and then I looked into costumes, and there's an old, uh, I believe it's a Russian or Ukrainian film about Pinocchio, and the the clown, the Pinocchio kind of clown character in the film is wearing black and white, and it's kind of like indicative of like that character. So I kind of took elements of that and then moved into this, um, and just yeah, it just I felt like it just worked. I think if you did been a big colorful clown. I think it. Uh, she then is a clown, you know. And I didn't want well, her to. Well, yeah. Be a-
0: <clears throat> I think the black and white literally made her stand out even more. And there is there is this scene in the movie, and, and and I have to say this real quick because one of the things that I loved about this story is that you didn't have her have Stockholm Syndrome. That you still felt that she still had this essence to leave. She wanted to escape. She didn't know how. So she didn't like her handler, which that was one element I really loved about this film. And so Tommy, her handler, you know, when they uh, told her to dance, you know, they were in that old room. Yeah. And as I was watching her dance, she formed her hands like a bird, indicating to me it was her desire to fly away and be free. It was to me it was very poetic, in such a very tense scene. Even to the point that she even made the Asian sex worker a bit angry.
1: Yeah, it was kind of I, I, I like I think as a as a writer particularly you know, subtext, I think is one of the most important parts of, of being a screenwriter, finding those little moments that people can attach to and understand the person, especially like a character that doesn't have like dialogue, you know, and it's like you're trying to find something that that delivers her language in a way that, you know, is is powerful enough to pick up. So all those little elements, I wanted kind of to feel like she was always, you know, you know, the the butterfly in a cage, you know, that it was like essentially that's what she was. So that was a, another thing great that you've picked up on. I think a few people have mentioned that to me and it's like, I'm glad because like you have to have those things. And I think films that are like mediocre, I'm not like blowing my own trumpet saying my film's amazing, but like films that are mediocre, I think lack that subtext. I think they, they deliver the, the main beat, but you don't feel the character. And I think those moments are necessary in order to feel like the clown girl's pain
0: and feel her like need to get to escape, you know? It, it is. And you know, I think filmmakers need to try harder. Um where they put these little secret elements in within the character within the story. So people like me can see them better. And like you said, yeah, there's a lot of mediocre films where it's just it's just you watch it and it doesn't do anything uh, for you. But as I was watching the film, uh, Mia, played by Jade Anuka, she was brilliant in your film. She showed the emotion, the anger, the frustration, the surprise, the love to absolute perfection. And Daniel, one of the things I noticed in the very, one of the very opening scenes when she's sitting there on the phone and it's raining, I'm just watching her, I'm watching her her acting and I'm like, wow, this actress is, I mean... One, one of the best i have seen and to have that level of quality and perfection in her acting alone just made this film stand out i mean how did you connect with her for the part to play mia was that also a casting call
1: yeah, yeah. jade is, is such an incredible uh, artist very kind and generous as well very like understanding of the indie world and and what we need to do what she needed to do and like the time it's going to take to develop and it's a funny story because originally um she wasn't cast somebody else was cast as that as that role um and it just so happened that scheduling we moved the film and scheduling messed up and we had like i think we had like four or five days and we didn't have the role filled because we'd lost the, the original actress so Jade came, I found Jade, Jade came on and Jade's from South London and she's doing a, my accent, which is a Northern accent. I was like, look, Jade, like, I'd love to have you in the film. Can you do a Northern accent? You know, we'll get you a coach. And she was like, oh, I've got a bit of a Northern accent down. So she turned up like, I think two days before the shoot to do rehearsals with a Northern accent nailed, just came in, smashed it. And I was I was just like you, I was like, oh my God, she's an incredible artist, you know, such a talented girl and a generous you know filmmaker which i think is so important for that role because i really needed somebody who I, you know it was me and her throughout the film really it was you know it was, it was us two kind of build this kind of main through plot and build this character that's going to like drive the film forward and she just absolutely nailed it every time and we, we did 14 hour days you know it was like intense we were like filming in big locations liverpool street uh, Leicester square big locations in london and she was just like the, the consummate professional and yeah I can't, I can't speak highly enough of
0: jade I mean, when I when I watched her act in your film, I'm thinking, she is Oscar quality. She has that talent, that it factor. She could end up being an Oscar winner. I think One she's on her way, in. you know? I think
1: she's on her way. Uh, she's in the new um, Dune series for HBO. I think it's called The Prophecy. It's like Sisterhood of Dune. So she's a, one of the characters in there. She's been in quite a lot of like big things. She's she's coming up, you know, she's she's uh, she's going to get there. I think she's like, it's inevitable when you've got that type of talent. I think, you know, there's going to be a point where she's going to get noticed and get pushed on quite far to the next stage. So, you know, I, I hope, you know, I wish her all the best. And she's she's done wonders for this film. And, you know, I'm, I'll forever be grateful for that.
0: Well, I have to ask you because you, you, you told me that Lauren Planner, who plays the clown girl. Yeah. This was really her first big part in a film. Was the sex scene difficult to shoot? And how did you prepare Lauren for that particular scene?
1: It was very difficult. I think it was difficult for everyone because it's a sex scene that isn't, you know, it's not your, your normal sex scene. Essentially, she's sex traffic. So it's kind of a, a rape, right? Yes, yes, animalistic. Yeah, exactly. So it was like, it was the intention that was the hard point because it wasn't like she had to just kind of pretend that she liked somebody or anything like that it was like she had to get into a place where she was being abused you know so it's like I think that's where we kind of like I I tried to like work with a pre we had a an industry co coordinator who came on board who we worked we, we had a rehearsal went through everything you know methodically and did all that. And that was great because it kind of made everything mechanical, which I think is so much better, especially for those type of grueling scenes. And she struggled a little bit on set, you know, we had a, you know, she got upset, like a few moments where, you know, she kind of, I felt like she was going to crack a little bit and I was like, pulled her to one side and I was like, look, Lauren, like, this is the world that you've chosen to be in. This is, if you really want to go inside a character and deepen a character and choose a character to play and be an actor, You've got to become these characters. So what you're feeling now, instead of letting it push you away from the character, use it to go into the character. So you feel upset, she feels upset, you know. Don't, don't, just just use it, and then from then on, she was just like, right, boom, she went back. We nailed it, and afterwards we hugged, and I was like, you all right? She was like, still crying. It was like she was like. I feel amazing now because she's achieved it but like in the moment i think she was so i think she's obviously nervous as well because it's her first film right so you're going to be nervous even when i was directing my first film i was nervous so you know she she got through it it was it was difficult for all of us but i i hate saying this but like as a director and as a writer you know i'm quite a dark i'm in the dark genre of filmmaking like everything that comes out of me just always happens to be from the darkest point you know i find a light a little light in there but it's coming through the darkness right So I enjoy it because I love like telling stories that are on that level. So I'm, I'm like excited to do these scenes because um, it's what I love to do. And I love to do every type of scene. So, but you kind of got to temper yourself a little bit and go, I can't be too like, uh, when this is going on, I've got to kind of like, let them kind
0: of like, well, what was, what was the actor thinking about this scene as well? So Freddie was great. Freddie
1: just came in and did that, you know, so I didn't really have to do much to him. I was like, look, you're a piece of shit. You just, this, you know, you're a rich dude who just, you know, that just comes on and just does whatever he wants and has whatever he wants. That's who you are. You control everything. You know, you're a, you know, you're a narcissist. You, you just, she's nothing to you. She's a piece of whatever you can purchase. Next time, and it just keeps going. And, and he was like, "Right." And he came, and he did, and he got a little bit upset as well. But I think because Lauren was upset, and obviously he was feeling like you know, essentially whether it's acting or not, he's to blame for it. So I was having to kind of like direct them both, both for their emotions onto the same. You know, they're on separate roads, and I kept having to push them onto the same road and go right in this moment. Take everything from there, take everything from there, and put it together, and then we're out. Do you know what I mean? So we kept dipping in and out really fast, rather than just kind of flowing and going. Another take, another take. It was like right, dip in, do it. If we if we need to do it again, we'll step out, have a breather, and we'll go back in. It was kind of that, kind of a bit disjointed, where a lot of directing you want to flow as much as possible. So even though it was like that, he just, I mean, he was awful. Do you know what I mean? He was like that is when I watch it myself, I'm like, oh my god, like this is this is horrendous, you know. So he nailed. They both nailed it.
0: Well, the thing is, is you know, I'm glad the I'm glad that you didn't paint the picture as like you just said before where she has to pretend that she likes him instead you're showing the very dark side that's extremely common you get you get these these men it's just hey I paid for this this is mine I can do whatever I want to and and that's how it came out and and that's the way it should have been shown so it was an excellent it's a tough scene But it was excellently done and it goes along with that story. Now, I don't want to give the ending away because I want everybody to see this film. But everyone needs to have the same feelings and emotions I experienced when I saw your film. So, the cinematography was fantastic. Your film showcases one of the most beautiful moments I've ever seen in a short film, um, so I don't want to give that away because that goes towards um, well, I guess a happier moment. But yeah. was this film an an emotional experience for you? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it was.
1: It was. You know, I've been working on this film for an, almost two and a half years before. We shot so it it was like i was living and breathing it by by the time we actually shot you know so it was like as if you know i as i said i'm obsessed with what i do i'm obsessed with it it's it's every it's my it's not a job it's just my life i do it 24 7. i annoy everyone around me because i never shut up and i always want to do more and i always want to stay late and i always want to shoot longer and you know i'm so i'm so involved in what i do that like i I can't help but be emotionally involved in this and when you especially when you're a writer director you write the character and it's like, they are your babies. But then when you see them come to life and you give them away to somebody else, it's that's emotional. It's like, wow, this is these are, these are mine. And now I've given them to you and you're just like Jade, for example. She just runs off and creates this amazing character from my direction. I'm like, wow, you're real now. Diane's a real character. You know, I can actually see her. And those are the moments that I get emotional about. I'm like, wow, like it's such a beautiful thing. And then to have conversations about it, you know, with, with people like you. And it's like, for me, well, just if I can say it, like you guys are so important to us as independent filmmakers. I'm so grateful to you because, like, being able to talk about my film, being able to promote the film, being able to have people watch it and feedback to me and and tell me what they think about it is the most emotional part. When I hear somebody kind of dissect my film, it's like, wow, I used to do that when I was a kid. I used to watch, you know, I used to watch Scorsese movies and Spielberg movies and like try to pick them apart and figure out, you know, what's the emotion and where's it, what elements are in there. And when people are doing it to me. Like that's the gift, you know, it's like, what a beauty. And I'm obviously nowhere near where I want to be as a filmmaker, but every step of the way I enjoy it and I love it. And that's what it's about for me.
0: Well, this film, you didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> I mean, Thank I you. looked at this from beginning to end. I'm thinking every element, it's the story, it's the cinematography, it's all of the actors. Um, it's the location, Everything just worked perfectly. But I've gotta, I've gotta ask you because the scene that actually excited me was there in the square where she's where the clown girl is, is, is performing. and her handler is sitting off into that little cafe from a distance watching. And then Diane shows up, sits at a table across from the handler and they're both watching of course he's kind of preoccupied a bit but she's just sitting there and and watching the clown girl and i'm sitting there the whole time thinking oh my gosh oh my gosh because this is the scene for the whole that that changes the film and i think it causes the audience to to silently cheer on with great hope. And that's what you brought to that scene. And then from there, it's, it's just, it's almost like, it's almost like we, the audience is trying to rush it to the end because we're wanting to see the light. Yeah. And that's what your film did. I mean, from that, from that scene on, it was, it was beautiful. I mean, there was no other. There's no other way to describe it. I mean, the story from the the from the from the moment, it is incredible,
1: Daniel. I appreciate that. What we well, truly do it's, it's you know, coming from I've watched your show and heard you talk about other films, and it's so nice to hear. You know, it's always nice to hear. Obviously, it's I've, I worked my butt off to make this the best film possible. You know, I I, I wrote this. You know to death. I made sure, you know, for the funny, the point the moment you're talking about in the film, um, I knew when I got to that point, I had like two avenues to go down either. Like, obviously she, it, it ends good. It goes good for her. It goes bad, but you don't know at that point. And it was kind of like, you know, to be in that situation, to put them together in that situation and then her be it's like so close, but so far, right. It's like, as the audience, you're like, Oh my God, you're there. Like she's there, you know, but like, you just don't know if it's going to work out. So it's kind of like, you know, you pull the rug a little bit to the audience and you go, look, like, well, you, you're really in for it now. Like, you've got to, you're on, this is the final ride. It's, it's going It's going to go, you know, one way or another from here. So it's like, I feel like when you're getting into that final act and you want that little moment to tip you over the edge, I think mean, those are the important moments for me in film because it's like, especially in a short film, because what you want to do in a short is you don't want to, make it feel like you've pulled a scene out of a, out of a feature. You want to make it feel still like it's its own film, right? It's got a beginning, middle and end. It's got three acts to it or even four acts to it. And it's there's, there's enough of a subplot there that it could go either way. And you've seen both sides, you know what I mean? So it was important for me doing that, writing that. And actually when I did write at the early drafts, that didn't happen in the early drafts. Um, it actually came as I as I was kind of doing more drafts, and I and I realized oh, I need to go back and find them that moment. And it was like that was an inserted moment, probably in draft three. And when I hit that, I was like, okay, now I feel like this is a film that somebody's going to want to make, you know. And I feel like I was starting to get excited myself. So I appreciate your words.
0: Well, the the other thing that I noticed was that it was it was it was raining for for just about most of the film. And I got to thinking, and and there's a there's a saying I believe that that came <clears throat> that came from a movie years ago, um, or I, I actually be, um and it may have been from Robin Williams, I'm not sure, but it it says that uh, you cannot see my tears when I'm standing in the rain.
1: And that is Robin Williams, yeah.
0: And when I saw your film, I was like. It's raining, and there is just that sense that if the clown girl, well, the clown girl, then there's Diane, and even, you know, it's even with the tears, then there's the rain. It just, it just, I mean, I mean, was was it just happened to be that when you started filming that it was raining? Uh, well, yeah, obviously, like, um, <laughs> I'd love to be able to control of the
1: weather. We didn't have a, we definitely didn't have a rain machine. We didn't have that much money. Although I did pick the time of year. I wanted it to be like, you know I know what London's like in that time of year. I was like I want, didn't want it to be sunny. I didn't want it to be like feel like a, a holiday. You know I didn't want it to be like that. Set, you know it's central London. So I didn't want that feel that vibe for it. I wanted it to be you know she's out there in the cold and I particularly that's why I put a tear on her face as well. She's got the clown makeup. She's got a tear. So it's like. She, it's almost like she can't cry, but like everything's crying around her. Every, everything in her life is like sad. And she's trying to break through that sadness, you know, she's trying to escape and she's got this thing. So it was like nice that that happened. And we got that because I think like it just added to, you know, a lot of the exteriors, obviously they are in the rain. It, it just, as you said, it makes, I think when it, especially in London, when it's like gray and it's like dismal, it's not like raining in LA, you know, where it's just like, warm sunny rain it's like it's it's, it's miserable so it's like it just i knew i needed that i didn't want it to feel like it was
0: like she was having like a too good a time in the sun you know well yeah because i think if it was sunny it wouldn't have the same effect because you're talking about you know the dark underbelly of london's sex trade you have to have that sense that even during the daytime it's got to be cloudy it's got to be moody it's got to be downcast and it had all of those elements it was it was just it was just perfect Now, what has been the audience's reaction to your film by any other name? Um... Thankfully, a lot like yours, I've, I've been very lucky to have,
1: have beautiful words spoken about the film. I mean, I get I lo- I get I get powerful and beautiful as the adjectives probably most often when I'm going around the world. They're like, everyone can goes, it's, like, it's so powerful, but, but so beautiful. And that's what I wanted, you know. I wanted that dichotomy. I wanted it to feel like, you know, this is a horrendous film and you kind of feel awful watching it, but at the same time, it's entertainment and I like to entertain and I want it to look pretty and I want it to feel like it's... You know cinematic and it's got these moments in there and you know we did a lot of work on to what you're saying about the rain and the, the mood you know we did a lot of work in the grade and, and making it feel like it had those elements and we i looked a lot at Fincher's work you know because of does that perfectly you know he knows how to kind of like bleach out shots and give it like give each character and each world their own theme and stuff so we looked at gone girl and the way that he did it in there and it was like you know things like that, all the little elements. I'm very, you know, I'm, as I said, I'm so meticulous with things that I have to go, I go too far sometimes, I've, I have gone too far sometimes where I've took, my first shot. took me about nine months to make just because I took so long with the grade and so long with the music. And this one, I just knew what I wanted to researched so much. So I think, you know, when I've gone up, when I've taken it around the world, um, it's been so beautiful because it's just been like one of those things where, you know, I've really felt like I've actually touched people with it. And again, like, I'm saying so many carny things in this in this interview, but I, that's why it felt like I had so many people come up to me and be like, "Wow, like you know, you've really." I, I won't forget that film, and that's all you can ask for as a filmmaker. If somebody well, says you, like, we-
0: "I'm not gonna forget it," because yeah, the story is dark, but there was this. It's a beautiful film, and and the moment the credits started the roll after I watched it the first time, I was just sitting here going. Wow, I mean, it may be a dark topic, but this film was beautiful. It is beautiful. That was the only thing that came out of my mouth. I'm like, this is a beautiful film. I mean, for you, uh, you know, I know that the film was produced by Slick Film. So, uh, how did you initially connect with with Chris and Rebecca over there? So, I sent the script into them. Um, we'd been.
1: As I said before, we've been knocked back quite a bit from funding bodies and different places. They just weren't interested in the subjects. And I was like, how am I going to do this? You know, I don't know how to do this. I'd seen uh, The Silent Child, which they won the Oscar for and a couple of other their films. And I thought like, this is the type of film that they might take a chance on. So I just kind of sent the script and was like, look, like, you know, have a read, see what you think. And they came back and they were like, they always like, we absolutely love it. Um, you know, it's the perfect film for us. And as you said, they take a chance. They do do daring films. They do films about serious subject matters. They're not afraid. And the the the, the whole thing has been beautiful with Slick and Chris in particular. Like I would call him a friend now. You know, he supported me. He's what he, what's amazing about Chris is he allows us filmmakers to be the filmmakers that we are. He doesn't try to bring his. Uh, into the other artist's work, he just supports what we are, and if we make a choice, you know the film's twenty-four minutes. You know anyone who knows the festival world knows that like it should be as short as possible because you know you got a better chance and all the rest of it. And we have struggled a little bit with like the the bigger festivals with the length, and it's it is what it is, but. Um, I wanted it to be that length because I knew I wanted that story to be told and I was happy with whatever happened, you know, and he supported that. He could have easily just gone, no, it has to be 15 minutes, cut it down. And he didn't do that. And he's, he's always supported like, the decisions we make, for better or worse. And it's been a beautiful journey with him. And, and you know, we're, we're, we're doing more together. So I'm really excited.
0: Well, I would have never cut this film down because – This, even though it's twenty-four minutes, because like you know, and I know that generally I'm looking at short films that are really falling into a fourteen to nineteen-minute range. That's pretty average. Twenty-four minutes. There is not one slow section in the twenty-four minutes, from beginning to end. It it flows. It moves with such grace from scene to scene. It all works. There is not a gap anywhere in this film. It is perfection. It is magnificent. It is beautiful. I mean, it's one out of, I mean, I've seen so many films in the last six months that make your head spin. This one is one of the very few, Daniel, that literally stand out in my mind. That even after I watch it, I I was telling friends of mine, I said, Oh, when you ever get a chance to see this film, you got to put this one on your list. And I don't say that about a whole lot of films. But where can the general public see the film now? Well, it's still on the festival circuit. We're about
1: halfway through the journey at the minute, so we've got um, we've got you know quite a lot of notifications to come between now and I guess June, where it kind of ends for us. So. Fingers crossed, we'll have a lot more, Um, you can keep in touch with it on Bound Short Film, B-A-O-N Short Film on Instagram. So we'll be posting on there when we get into festivals. Aside from that, we've just been um, picked up for international distribution, which is amazing. Um, We've network island television. So that's going to be fingers crossed around the world and we'll obviously be on streaming airlines. So um, yeah, just follow us on on Instagram and we
0: can keep that, you know, you'll be able to find it somewhere. Ah, great. So, ladies and gentlemen, so when when Daniel makes that announcement, I will let all of you know when By Any Other Name is available for you to watch. So you got to place this on your list. And for you, Daniel, uh, new projects coming up for 2024?
1: Yeah, we're going into a new project with Slick Film, so I'm doing my next shot with them as well. It's called Blue Bunny, so I'm really excited about that one. Uh, we're going to be shooting that, I think, probably springtime. And then I've got... Um, another shot that I'm going to be doing kind of in the fall. My plan this year is to have two shots in the can, probably not finished, but in the can. Um, and then hope, and I'm writing a feature film now, which fingers crossed we go into start going into production for that next year, but we'll see.
0: Oh, fantastic. And, and ladies and gentlemen, Daniel DeVille's short film by any other name touches on the subject of London sex trade. But when you get the chance to watch his film, place your focus entirely on the characters. Mia, the clown girl, Tommy, Tammy, Diane. Daniel synergistically intertwined these characters together. He placed them with tense and emotional dialogue, making the audience feel every word, every emotion from each and every character. His magnificent directing, his graceful storytelling, brings an extraordinary sense of beauty to a very dark topic. Now, I'm not saying the sex trade is beautiful. What I'm saying is that when one has hope and determination and one has the dream of being free, when these two elements eventually connect, the most beautiful thing you'll ever experience blossoms and it blossoms in Daniel DeVille's film by any other name. Thank you, Daniel, for sharing your film with us today and I can't wait to see what you bring us next. Oh uh, well, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. And I hope to be on with the next film for sure. Oh well, you you have an open invitation anytime to come back and uh ladies and gentlemen, mark it, put it on your calendar, put it on a, a post-it note, make a list by any other name is a film that you're gonna to have to see when he finishes the film festival run. It's already an award winner, so this film touches the right nerve. But when it comes to cinema. All I can say, it's magnificent, it's powerful, and it is beautiful. So ladies and gentlemen, you can catch all of the replays of our interviews with the top film directors and producers, as well as screenwriters, actors, and so much more, even on our new website, bondoncinema.com. We are also available on YouTube and a dozen audio platforms as well. So as for me, I hope to see you at the movies or from the red carpet.